Now for tonight, let's turn in our Bible to the book of Job. Job chapter 38. It was my intention to deal with another scene connected to the cross of Christ. Time seemed to run away with us this week. Other things that had to be dealt with. And um, I didn't get as much preparation done in that regard as I had thought. And yet there was another thought in my mind put there a couple of weeks ago. And that's what I'm going to share with you this evening, or at least attempt to. Job chapter 38, and what we'll read from the verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors, when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb. When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decree, place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shalt thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since the days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arms shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare, if thou knowest it all. We'll end the reading there at verse 18. And we pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scripture. Now my text tonight is taken from Job 38 and the verse 17. And my subject this evening is learning lessons from the gates of death. Job was asked the question by God, have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? As the Lord here questions his tried and afflicted servant he refers to many aspects of his creation to illustrate his wisdom his knowledge and his 
power. And this was one of the questions that he directed to Job. Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Now, most of us, if not all, are probably familiar with the story of Job. Job, remember, was a godly man, one that was righteous, one that hated evil. And then calamity befell him. He lost his family, his sons and daughters. All his children were died. Then he lost his farm, his, his whole livelihood. All his animals were wiped out in a series of disasters. And then his frame was affected. His body suddenly broke out in very big boils that were uh, really, really painful and sore. And to add to that, what followed was a loss of his fame for seven days. Job sat in silence. Three of his friends also came and sat with him. And during this period, not one word was spoken between them. Then after that seven-day period of silence, Job's friends sought and tried to explain all that befell Job. One after another, they gave their explanation to Job as to why this had happened to him. Why you've lost your family, lost your friends, lost, lost your, 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 your farm, lost your friends. And losing your fame, Job. And one of them, at least, intimated, you have sinned secretly in your heart. Later, a fourth friend was added. And he said the same thing. Now, you have no doubt that Job's friends were wise. They were sincere. They were good men. Men who probably, as counsellors, spoke the truth. But sadly, it was truth that didn't really apply to Job. Because Job wasn't being punished by God because he was a big sinner. And that's what God says in verse 2. Who is this that darkeneth counsel? Pull a veil over counsel by words without knowledge. In chapter 38, the Lord steps in to this situation. He speaks to Job and his friends, all five men, with a series of questions. Questions, of course, that they couldn't answer. And when you think of these series of questions that God asked to illustrate his wisdom, his knowledge, and his power, God here reminds them that there's things in life that they simply do not know. Things that have happened, even in the world, in the creative order, that they do not understand. Now, of course, people who face things that they can't understand, things that they can't control or have no knowledge of, that usually frightens and upsets individuals. And such is Job and his friends. Hence the Lord asked them in verse 17, Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Here's another subject that people do not know much about. Isn't it true that people don't know much about death? They think they do, but the reality is they don't. 
It's a subject that they try to avoid. But like the ostrich put its head toward the sand, pretend that the trouble it's facing will go away, it'll not come near me, it'll not affect me. And here God asked this question to Job and his friends, and it's a question to do with the gates of death. And the the word gates has been in my mind for a, a number of weeks. And as I looked up the word gates in the Bible, I thought to myself, what did God mean when he said this to Job? Where are the gates of death located? Why this reference to gates? Why this question at all? Introduced to to illustrate God's power, his knowledge and his wisdom. Things that men do not understand. Then I discovered that there are actually three references to the gates of death in the Bible. Psalm 9 verse 13. Psalm 107 verse 18. Three, of course, in the Bible is the number of witness. Hence the subject tonight, (coughs) learning lessons from the gates of death. Let's learn three things. There's a real mystery connected with death. See, remember, during his time on earth, the Lord Jesus (coughs) raised certain individuals from the dead. The widow of Nain's son. Jairus' daughter when she was just 12. His dear friend Lazarus from Bethany. And even after his death and resurrection there was others uh, whose graves were opened. And they were risen bodily from the dead. It's amazing of course that for any of these individuals that had a physical resurrection from the dead. The Bible doesn't tell us what they experienced when they went through the gate of death itself. The Bible doesn't speak about that experience. I have no doubt if I was sitting down with Lazarus at the table in Bethany, I would ask him, Lazarus, when you died, what did you see? What did you feel? What did you experience? Did you see lights? Did you hear voices? Did did you meet with angels? Did, Did they come to assist you into heaven itself? But the amazing thing is this, The Holy Spirit doesn't record any such experiences. They are simply veiled over. It's as if there's a a, a mysterious element introduced to the subject. We have no response from these individuals as to what it was like to die. All we know is this. Is that death is the separation of the soul from the body. Isn't this what uh, Job 14 and verse 10 tells us? A verse that's often read at funerals. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. It says in verse 10, But man dieth and wasteth away, yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Of course today when uh, a doctor or a state pathologist is um, brought face to face with a dead body, usually an autopsy has to be performed. And as far as that dead body is concerned, they can tell through examination the way that that person died. 
They, they can tell when it died. And, and they can tell what happened as far as the sequence of events is concerned. Maybe I'm watching too much CSI. But it's interesting. The things that they can learn from the dead. The way, the when, and what actually happened as to how this individual has died. But beyond that, all we know is the fact and reality of death itself. Beyond this fact and reality of death, there's a barrier. There's things that we don't know. It's as if the gate of death just opens and receives the individual and the individual passes through that and beyond that we know nothing. The soul is just separated from the body and the body is just left as a corpse. Of course there are those who are called mediums. They claim to be able to speak with the dead. And we have to say, according to the Bible, uh, all mediums are either fraudsters or they're communicating with demons in disguise of loved ones. See, there's a real mysterious element connected with death. The Bible is silent as to what actually happened at the point of death. And we're just given a very few and a very rare glimpse of life after death. But what actually happened at the point of entering through the gate? There's a mystery. The Bible is consent to tell us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. One day, all of us will go the way of all flesh. One day we'll pass beyond that gate called the gate of death. And we'll face the judgment. Death's a fact. All you have to do is think of the death columns in the local newspaper. Go to Ballygown, Free Presbyterian Graveyard, and look around at the names and the dates and the gravestones. I've simply discovered, here's just an interesting little statistic, that there's something like 19,378,102 people live in New York. And every 9.1 minutes, someone dies in New York. And we don't know when death will come. We don't know how death will come. It could come through illness. It could come through an accident. It could come through an act of terrorism. Think of those 298 souls in that uh, MH17 airplane in the Ukraine. Think of this other aeroplane, 109 individuals, passengers and crew, an Algerian flight. Think about the thousand that are dead in Palestine, the 40 soldiers from Israel. This is a day of death. We're confronted with it. And one day we'll join them. And why? Why will we die? What's the reason for it? And, and the answer is sin. Isn't this what Paul says to uh, the, the church at Rome in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, whereas, by one, whereas uh, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. 
In other words, death came as a result of sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all had sinned. And when did all sin? We sinned in Adam. We inherited the guilt of his first transgression. Not only were we guilty sinners, but we became polluted sinners with a heart that loves sin. You know, every time you see a hearse, every time you witness a funeral, ask yourself why. And here's the answer. Man is a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. It's not what Romans 6 and 23 says. Physical death. The soul takes its flight from the body. And of course we're all in danger of eternal death. Separated from God from all eternity. And of course spiritually we're born spiritually dead. Cut off from the life of God. We're dead to God. Dead to Christ. We're without God and without hope in this world. Ephesians 2 and 12. And we have to ask the question. In this real mystery connected to death. How will we face it? Not, not what will happen as we enter through the gate, but how will we face death itself without Christ, without hope, without the knowledge of God? Death is likened to the king of terrors and the terror of kings. Notice something else here. He, he asked the question, have the gates of death been opened unto thee? There's a real meaning connected with death. You see, three times, as I've said in the Bible, uh, Psalm 107 verse 18, Psalm 9 verse 13, and here in Job 38 verse 17, there's mention of the gates of death. Now, now when I think of gates, when you think of gates, what, what do you think? Gates, gates speak to me of an entrance. You drive up and down the roads and you'll see all sorts of gates, usually electronic gates into to big houses. And, and they lead up a driveway into a, 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 a mansion of a place. In other words, the gates are just of an entrance. That there's, there's something beyond the gates. It's not a dead end. The, the, the gates are, are open to something. Something more. And of course we have to bring home the message that death is not the end. What we have to say to the, the, the Stoics and the uh, existentialists in the world that death is not the end. We, we have to say to the liberals in the church and the modernists that death is not the end. There is a heaven to gain. You can go to be with the Lord, which is far better. And there's a hell to shun. If you die without the Lord... See, what is death's signal? Surely death signals the period of time is over. See, once death happens, life is over. We're, we're, we're shut into eternity. We're, we're shut out of time. The days are gone. They, they cannot come back. I was driving to Carrick this week and uh, some boy racer driving a Honda Civic, not a red one, a black one, so I knew it wasn't James McLaughlin, and he flew past me as hard as he could go on the motorway. I was doing about 70, maybe, maybe slightly over 70. He must have been doing a near 100. And I thought to myself, boy, you need to slow down. Hope the police get you. And you know, he had in the back of the car this sticker, Eternity Wear. And I thought, you know, you're an agent. Because you could be in eternity without Christ if you're not saved before you know it. 
Think of our loved ones who die. Wouldn't we love to bring them back? Wouldn't we long to, to snatch them from the jaws of death itself, pluck them up and carry them away and say you're not having my loved one? Wouldn't that be a father and a mother's wish when they lose a child? Wouldn't that be a son and a daughter's wish when their mother's about to leave them or dad's about to be taken or, or a mother and, and father when they have a teenage son or a teenage daughter? But once death comes, there's no coming back. The period of time that we've been given is over forever. It's gone. It also signals that the plans of time are over. See, when death closes in on us, our plans cease. They fall to the ground. Someone has called death life's full stop on our plans. Think of the architect. When death comes, he lays down his pencil. The plans in the table, perhaps, that have been partly drawn, he'll never finish them. He'll never see the dream that he has created on paper finally realized in bricks and mortar and and concrete. Think of the carpenter. He has his wood cut to size. He has it planed. He has it ready for assembly. But when death comes, they remain on the table. The hammer, the chisel, is all sin. True, the mechanic. He could have an engine in bits. He could have a gearbox stripped down, thinking that he's going to assemble it. And then when death comes, it remains there in bits on the floor. Think of the farmer. He could say, but I've got cattle ready for the market. I, I, I have uh, calves uh, to, to, to soon be born. I, I've got sheds to clean out. I, I've got cattle houses to build. And when death comes, he's taken from it all. Think of the preacher. He could say, well, I've got a special conference to attend. I've got a sermon to prepare. I've got this wedding coming up or or, or that um, special event. But once death comes, he has said his last amen. The people have heard his last message, at least physically from his mouth. Is it any wonder the hymn writer says we've only one life till soon be passed? See, once death comes, our plans are over. And we'll face the consequences of how we live. Remember the rich farmer in Luke 12? He said to his soul to, um, to, to pull down his barns and to build bigger. God called him a fool. He said, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. See, we have to ask the question, well, where's God in all our life's plans? Whether it's an architect, a carpenter, mechanic, farmer, preacher, or whatever the profession is. Even the housewife. Where is the Lord in all of life's plans? Where's Christ? Is he got first place? Is he the Lord and Redeemer? Because when death comes, our plans are over. Aye, and the pleasures of time are over as well. Remember the rich farmer in Luke 12's philosophy? What did he say? Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you die. Isn't that the philosophy of millions tonight? philosophy of thousands even in Northern Ireland think of the millions of pounds that are spent the pubs and clubs of the world there's drinking, there's smoking there's gambling, there's drug addiction there's partying think of the loud music think of the the, the, the bright lights and of course I believe all of this is designed by the devil to, to blot out reality it's deliberate policy 
So that you'll not think about your soul. So you'll not think about heaven and hell. You'll not think about God. But when death comes, all the pleasures are gone. Think of what we read there in Psalm 107. Psalm 107 and verse 18. Remember what the psalmist said in this third reference to um, the gates of death. It's interesting because it's linked, it's, it's linked in to pleasure. This is what the psalmist said, Psalm 107. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. And they draw near unto the gates of death. Even the love for food, with its tastes and its appetites, they're gone. They, they have no pleasure in that anymore. Remember the rich man in Luke 16? He was called Davies. He lived a life of luxury and pleasure. He he dressed in the finest. He ate the best. He he, he probably drank the most expensive wine. And we read, The rich man also died, and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torment. After death, after entering through the gate, he ended up in hell. And why was he there? Because he never repented of his sin. His pleasures were over. Gone. He's now in pain and in punishment for all eternity. The purposes of time are over as well. What's man's chief end? Is it not to glorify God and enjoy him forever? And how can we know or how, how can we glorify God? One way that we can glorify God is to know him. As Lord and Redeemer. Remember what the Lord Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. And what we call the high priestly prayer. He he said. And this is life eternal. That they may know thee. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. Whom thou hast sent. That, That was John Knox's text. And John Knox would have talked about the reality of eternal life. And the necessity of knowing God. And Jesus Christ. Whom he has sent. You have had hundreds of opportunities to get saved. Do you know after you die you'll not have one opportunity? Do you know that you've had many Sabbaths to hear the word of God? But after you die you'll not have one. You know that you've heard the word of God in the gospel many times. But you'll never hear it again. One moment after you pass from this scene of time. All opportunities will be gone. Where will you be in God's eternity? You have an opportunity now to to live for the Lord. An opportunity to to love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. An opportunity to to be loyal to him. To put him first. Thinking of the day of accountability. A day when you'll stand before him. Because when that day comes of our death. Not only will our period be over. Not only will our plans be over and our pleasures be over. But the purposes of time. Of which we're placed upon the earth. They'll be over. Notice lastly here. Not only is there a real mystery connected with death. And a real meaning connected with death. But there's a real message connected with death. 
1952, when George VI passed away, outside Buckingham Palace they, hang a, they hung a sign. They placed a message. This was the message. Outside the gates now. The king has died. Long live the queen. And of course, Queen Elizabeth II came to the throne in 1952. And I was thinking about the gates of death. Because what's the message? And surely the message hung on the gate would be prepare. Remember Amos 4 and 12 Prepare to meet thy God. Once you enter through the gate, you can prepare to enter eternal rest in heaven or eternal retribution for the life you've lived in hell. Doesn't the Bible say the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that that forget God? Now, what way do you prepare? Let me just put it to you very simply as we close. You recognize you're a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You put yourself in that place. You hold up your hands and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. A sinner by nature and practice. Lord, I was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Lord, I'm guilty of breaking your law. Lord, I've got a heart that loves sin. And secondly, then then you repent of that sin. You you come to the Lord and and you tell the Lord that you're truly sorry for your sin. Thirdly, you receive Christ as Lord and Saviour. Doesn't John 1 and 12, but as many as received him to them, give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And the moment you receive Christ as Lord and Saviour, you're given a royal pardon. The, the blood of Christ deals with your sin. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Our sin is carried away, out of sight. Our sin is covered over. Our, our sin is cancelled out. That's the way you prepare. Have you made that necessary preparation? Have you called on the Lord God be merciful to me, the sinner. Or if you said with Peter, save me, I perish. There's no exact formula of words that I could give you. But whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as you call, recognize you're a sinner. Be willing to repent. At least have that thought in your mind. And let there be a reception of Christ. Let there be faith in him so that his blood can cover you. And cleanse you. So you can have that royal pardon. So that none can accuse you. The righteous advocate in that day will say they're mine. And when do you prepare? Now. Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. There's no excuse. God has given you now. Proverbs 27 and 1 says. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. No man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Why prepare now? Here's the answer. Death could come at any moment. 
I can't get it out of my head. I was thinking of those 298 souls in that airplane in particular flying over the Ukraine. I don't know what they were all doing in the plane. Maybe some were sitting reading, maybe some on their lap book, uh, laptop, maybe some on, on, a, on an iPad or, or someone at Kindle reading some other book, maybe some going a trip to the bathroom, maybe, maybe some just walking up and down to stretch their legs over the flight. And then all of a sudden, death has come. There are 80 little babies amongst them. And I thought to myself, in an instant, how many of them were prepared to meet God? Could you imagine the scene of a rising just at the gate of death? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Meaning that they're, they're, they're open to receive you and the big sign is there, prepare! Prepare to meet God. Prepare to enter into rest or retribution or prepare to enter into judgment. And you're saying, how do I prepare? The Lord gives us the answer. Over there and again in Psalm 9 and in the verse 13 that I made reference to, he, he, he tells us in Psalm 9 and 13, have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, that was lifted me up from the gates of death. The mercy of God. And that's what you need to say tonight. Lord, have mercy in me. I don't want there to be a time coming when every sin that I've ever committed in thought and word and deed will point the finger and declare me guilty in that day. I want to know I've got a royal pardon. I want to know I'm cleansed and covered by the blood. Here's what you're to do. Here's the way to prepare. Here's when you do it now. And here's why. Death could come at any moment. And if we're not prepared, what an awful day that will be. Lessons from the gates of death. There is a mystery. But there's a meaning. Things that are over, gone forever. And here's the message. Prepare. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to our hearts this evening.